Today, today we continue with part two of our study of the Shema, that was the vote. Just so you know, one of the, one of the in, in Parshat Akeb, just as an introduction, there's one of the very, very, I'll just allude to it, controversial uh, statements in Rashi about, uh, about the land of Israel. And the reason it's controversial is because it's so anti-Gola that I have to, I just have to mention it to you to make you all feel, uh, make you all feel good. I hope it'll make you feel good. So I'm just going to mention it and then we'll go into the Shema. As you all know, it says in the it says in the Torah, in the Shema, the first parsha of Be'ahavta and Bayam Shemoa, the ends sound the same. You ever notice that when you're in the Shema, right? You ever notice that? Have you ever noticed sometimes that you're in the you're in the middle of saying Shema and you don't really know if you're in the first one or the second one? Right? That happens because it's so it's so familiar. Which makes you wonder why in the world would the Torah seem to say the same thing twice? It's a very good question. Why do we have the same mitzvot? So one of the rules, obviously, one of the halachot is that, if you'll ever notice, right, that both of these parshiot appear in the tefillin and the mezuzah. Right? If you open up the mezuzah, shema, and bayah, both of these things, they appear, they appear in, the, in the shema for a certain reason. Okay? But why does the Torah seem to say the same thing two times in a row. So first you have to know that what is the context of Hayayim Shamoah. So Chazal call, the rabbis call, the first parsha of the Shema, Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shamayim. What does that mean, Kabbalat? The acceptance of Ol. What's an Ol? A yoke. A yoke. You know what a yoke is? I have to show my son Betzalah what a yoke is. A yoke, when you have animals pulling plows, you in order to, in order to get the animal in order to get the animal to pull the plow, you put this thing on his neck and it's called a yoke. So it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Right? It's Kabbalat Ol, the bird in Malchut Shemayim. And then the, the second parsha, they call it Kabbalat HaMitzvot. Right? The acceptance of the mitzvot. Which means, what is Kabbalat HaMitzvot? If you'd have to boil down, it's very important just to know, the Vahaya Im Shamoah into, into uh, like one sentence, what would the message of Vahaya Im Shamoah be? Anybody? If you behave, I'll be nice to you. And... If you don't behave, I'll kick you out. Correct. If you behave, I'll be nice to you. Very good. And if you don't behave, I'll slam you. Okay? Very quickly and very, very forcefully, very powerfully. And we say this in Shema every day. Right? Shema is a mitzvot. You keep them, like, you're right. It's great. You believe in God. It's so beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. The second part is, you be- yeah, you better do it. You better, better keep the mitzvot. Listen to this unbelievable Rashi. If you want to follow inside, just a crazy Rashi. Perak Yud Aleph. Pasuk Yudchet, and, and this is like, there's a whole sheer I could give on this, which I'm not going to give, maybe remind me, I'll give it to you next year, okay? About w- what in the world is going on in this, in this parasha. Says the Torah, You should place these words on your heart or on your nefesh, on your soul. Okay, and, and should, they should be in, on your arms and also the totafot. So Rashi says, this is Rashi, very famous Rashi. Uh, I'm just doing, we're doing this very briefly. Perik Yud Aleph, chapter 11, Pasuk Yud Chet. It's very worthwhile to see the Rashi on, to see the Rashi on this, on this uh, piece. Right, you would think that this would be said by some, this, this Rashi you would think is going to be articulated by some Rav Kook, right, you know, ideologue living out in, uh, in, come here, you should have somewhere. Har bracha. Har bracha, exactly, right. You know, this is a, this is a har bracha message. Says Rashi the following. Everybody see Rashi on Yudchet? You with me here? Yudchet, Rashi on Yudchet. Mimi, you got it? 
even after you go into the exile, even after you're exiled, hayu mitsuyanim b'mitzvot. Be excellent in mitzvot. Hanichu tefillin, asu mezuzot. Put on tefillin, make mezuzot. Why? Kedei shelo yihu lachem chadashim kishetachzeru. Because when you come back to Eretz Yisrael, it shouldn't be new to you. V'chein hu omer, hatsivi lach tziyunim. And it also says, place for yourself signposts, guard posts. Everybody understand the gist of that Rashi? Should I read it again for you, just in case you... What? Right. When, so Rashi says, after you get out, Rashi says, why does it say the same thing twice? That I should, why, of course I know I should put on tefillin. Of course I know I should, I should wear, put on mezuzah. So Rashi says, well, the reason why you should do these things, the Torah says the second time, is because it's important for you to be aware and to do these things and to be, you know, in, in used to doing the mitzvot, right? Be mitzuyanim mitzvot. Be aware of the mitzvot. Why? Because when you come back to Eretz Yisrael, it shouldn't be new to you. So the people who are listening to this audio recording not in Eretz Yisrael are going to all of a sudden feel extremely uncomfortable. Why? Because it doesn't mean anything that you do. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Not really. I'll just say we don't hope like that. We don't hold by that? We don't hold by that? Now, by the way, where, where did Rashi, where was he when he wrote these words? He was in France. So he didn't mean it? What did he mean? We don't hold by that? Was he, he wasn't passing it halachically. Right, you must keep the mitzvot in Chutzaret. Nobody says that I'm aware of halacha. You're aware of anybody, that might be in Harbacha somewhere, but no, you know somebody who says, you don't have to keep mitzvot? No, no, no. Ramban also quotes this. He right? says, so you're even saying that you don't get you have to do it, but you don't get schar for it in Chutzar? No, no, no. All right, so again, this is the whole share that I'm just sort of alluding to. Discuss amongst yourselves. Point out this Rashi to your whole families and pat yourselves on the back for being here, right? Because it really counts here and it's really significant. The people that told me to make a point of art and whether or not it's actually really a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. Not everybody says it's a mitzvah. Right. Do I have to go? Do I not have to go? <laughs> well, a very, very close, uh, close friends of ours, former, you know, who are making aliyah, sent Rina a, a, an email right this week. Can I, can I say it? I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to say it. Like, basically, the, the classic freak-out email saying, why in the world am I doing this? Please tell me I'm not crazy. You know, like, before the flight. You know, you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you be crazy to do Correct, yeah. That's why, they call it, that's why they always say that you should build a bike near man in Israel. You need a lot of them on it. Just to get you through. Are you talking about the building the bike park? Don't go there. Don't go there today. Uh, so, so, I mean, we've all had, I don't know if everybody, every one of us sent the email, but every one of us had that sort of, that feeling. And the answer that, that the first answer is, why? So Rashi Mitzvah Parsha. Because this is where it's meaningful for Jews to live their lives. Whether or not it's a Mitzvah Kiyumit or a Mitzvah Chiyuvit, right, there's clearly, and by the way, I would like to say for the record, I believe that one must keep all the Mitzvah in Kutlaris. Going to America to go visit the family, I will be putting on tefillin in Kutlar. Okay. What about Shemitah? Oh, I'm not even mentioning all the mitzvot. Very good. I'm not even mentioning all the mitzvot at Tulia Paris. Let's leave those alone. Okay. What about all the other mitzvot? What about you know what I'm saying? What about all the other 
like the regular ones, you know. So, in some way, it's not halacha. Clearly, halacha, you have to keep the mitzvot. There's some fundamental dimension of the mitzvot that are that's lost in chutz laaretz, and for that reason, it's only practice. And it's very uncomfortable to say, but it's it's not as meaningful. It's it's fundamentally fundamentally different. It's fundamentally less important, less significant. Just because Rashi, look at the Rashi. I mean, this is not like. Like people say, oh, the Ramban, he was like Zionistic, he was like, he's classic Eretz Yisrael. I always like to point this out because this is Rashi. Everyone's like, oh, Chumash and Rashi. So what would the Rambam say? Rambam. Yeah, because he's not a classic Zionist. Rambam's not a classic Zionist? No, he, he doesn't believe living in Eretz Yisrael is a myth. Rambam? Yeah, he says it is. Well, well the Rambam does not list living in Eretz Yisrael as one of the Tariyag Mitzvot. Oh, right, so there's huge debates about what does that mean. Just in a nutshell, the, the, the classic Zionist perspective would tell you that the Rambam, Rambam doesn't always list, what? See, you're a religious Zionist. The classic religious Zionist perspective would tell you that Rambam doesn't always list things that are requirements in order to perform other mitzvot. I mean, the Rambam, what about... Yeah, of course. No, 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 no. Shemitah, like your daughter said, Shemitah, Yovel, Trumot, Mazrot, Korbanot, Beit HaMikdash, a full one-third of the Torah cannot be fulfilled outside of Eretz Yisrael. It's not even a matter for debate. It's obvious. Right, all the, the the whole Masechet Zuraim, all the Kachim. What? It goes without saying. It's obvious. You don't. That's not deniable. That's not debatable. It's not debatable. How can you? What? what? You cannot keep Shemitah in Chutzlaret. It doesn't mean anything. You don't have to keep it if you're, if you're not. You cannot keep Trumot. You don't have to keep it. You cannot say you don't. You can't. Right. Just like if you're there, it's not. What a Kohen does. It's like, think about giving your wife a get. Giving your wife a get. You equate Shemitah with giving your wife a get? It's a mitzvah, but you only do it in that situation. So it's the same people can say. Wow, I thought you'd all be on my side. I can't believe you're all so defensive. You're You're with me. Let's go. Let's slam all the other people. No? I'm just kidding. I'm playing the advocate. Oh, okay. If it's actually a chance in which they Pertinent to write it as one of the mitzvot because then it would have been a clear instruction to people. Isn't there uh, one argument? Can I just read you a pasuk? Can I just read you a pasuk? Just how do you like So that your the days, your days, and the days of your children will be many. Al ha'adama on the land. Hashem that God promised to give our forefathers the tetlam to give them kimei hashamayim al ha'aretz. That's very nice. But it's very nice. We say it every day, twice a day. Is it like meaningless? Laman yirbu yimechem yimei v'nechem. You tell her. What? I, I don't understand. Like, I just... like, And that's why I think, is it a mitzvah? The Rambam, is it not a mitzvah? Like, I always find those discussions so trivial. It makes such a fund, fundamental fundamental, critical core Jewish value into like a detail. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, all the Rabbonim and Kutzla Aretz they're not. Look at all the Rabbonim Excuse me, what did the Chief Rabbi of South Africa just do? The Chief Rabbi of South Africa, what did he just do? What did he do? What did he just do? 
Yeah, he Didn't he make Aliyah? Didn't the chief rabbi have to have to make Aliyah? No, he didn't. Or he will, or he's gonna. The old one. When they retire, they all. When they retire, yeah. What? He died before he could. Well, because it's uncomfortable. Because they were like, Why are these rabbis? I have to tell you, what? Ask them. Just ask them, what do you, ask them, how do you explain this Rashi? Just ask them that. I, I don't really know. I mean, uh, what? Leadership are very, very silent. Very. And they will be behind you 100% of the way when you make a decision to make Kadiyah, but right. very few of them actually do it themselves. It's very hard. It's very it's hard. It's very hard. It's not a judgment, judgment American Jewry as well. Right. Although, Correct. No. I don't think so. Absolutely. 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 Miriam, absolutely. Not where I was. Okay. And maybe Chabad don't. Chabad less do. But rabbis, I think across the spectrums, in my spectrum for sure, but yeah, in the, even the Chabad, oh yeah. What about, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't see you either. Come to Brooklyn. Not? Rabbi Spolter. Have you ever read the Jewish press? never, ever, ever hear a speech in any evil in Brooklyn, of which there are 400, about making Aliyah. Ever, 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 ever. What? Yeah. Am I yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're wrong, maybe I'm wrong, you're sad. What, you're yeah, and I hope you're young for the young is right, I was in the youngest of bubble, like, yeah. that Not really. Okay. I take it back. You will hear a lot about Eliyah, but just they don't know they're talking about it because they're reading the Kriyat Shema. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, am I am I reading this out of context? Am I changing any words? Am I misunderstanding? <laughs> No, you can first come for a few years later. Right, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I really okay, don't know. Okay. Oh, God, it's so nice. Okay. <laughs> like my cereal. This cereal is good. <laughs> Did you hear what she just said? <laughs> she said it so perfectly under her breath as you like, exasperate. <laughs> okay. Back to Shema. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go back to the Shema. If you'll give out the sheets that we had, I saved them from last week. From last week, these are the same sheets that you didn't finish them. Okay, and you should love Hashem. You should love Hashem your God. We talked about b'chol levavcha u'b'chol nafshicha u'b'chol meodecha. You should love Hashem your with your God with all your nef your heart. With all your nefesh. And all your berries. And you're all your? Very. What does it mean, b'chol me'odecha? Yeah, but I'm not even going to get to that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, El, can we turn on the lights? Is it turn on the lights on? Okay. We're complicated here. Really? All the technology. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Thank you. So, we talked about, last week we wrapped up, last week we wrapped up with what it means that Hashem is a Chad, Hashem is a Chad, and I gave you my, 
technological quantum physics understanding of what it means Hashem Achad, right? Just in a nutshell. So if you want, you can listen to the Shia. What today I want to talk about? What does it mean that Ahavta et Hashem Alokecha? What does it mean to love Hashem? So if you look at the second sheet, the one that that talks about Gemara Yoma, here we're going to talk about four different perspectives of what it what does it mean to love Hashem. Okay, so uh, do we get to first? Let's do a look at Rashi in the Chumash. I'm going to start with Rashi in the Chumash and see where it comes from. Okay, and then we'll go on to other Mefarshim as well. Says Rashi, on what uh, Rashi, I'm sorry, Parshat Ve'etchanan. We decided last week we're going to go back to Ve'etchanan. Okay, Perek Vav Pasuk He. What does it mean, ve'ahavta? And obviously we're just going to re- remind ourselves the challenge of ve'ahavta. How can Hashem command us to love Him? How can Hashem command us to love God? So we're going to... Well, there's two perspectives. One, you have two options. You could say love is an emotion. And God can command you to have an emotion. And what that means is that our understanding of emotions is a little different than what we think it is. Or, it is not an emotion. Oh, I take that back. Sorry. Take that back. One, it is an emotion... Right? We know what love is, but God is not commanding you to have an emotion. Can He force you to have an emotion? Can He force you to love? No. But He can command you to do things which will bring about love. So that's one possibility. Or the other possibility is, you know the cup, and the other possibility is, you do, is, is that it is not an emotion. And Be'ahavta is very different than what we think it is supposed to be. Okay? And that has broad, broad ramifications for other areas of life, which we might uh, digress into. And there Hashem is telling you, we have to do this thing that you think is to love, is to have, is to have an emotion, but it doesn't mean that. It means but something different. When you think of love, you think of Yes. But actual love is to give. Like you love your children because you give so much to them. Very good. Maybe it's more to give of yourself to Hashem. Very good. I would say probably, I, I think we're going, we're going to go definitely in that direction. Our and Chazal go in that direction as well. Our struggle with love is because we have this romantic idea of love that is totally false. It's totally not factual. It's not totally, it's not totally false. It's like you just said. It's, it's the things that make the love come about. Right, but it's not this it infatuation. People feel good feeling. Correct. People confuse love with infatuation. With with. Emotional pleasure, I would call it. Right? Oh, I love her. What does it mean you love her? She makes me feel good. I feel good. That's that's not... What? Right, right. I think it was Rav Meir Schlesinger. Oh, could be Used to say... Used to say... I love chicken. Let me tell you about my Zeta used to love this. My Zeta lived in in Miami Beach, Florida. And behind, behind his house, he had a little canal. And he used to take us to go fishing behind the canal. Of course, we almost never caught anything and you could not eat any of the fish. Because God only knows what was in that canal. It was just an activity. It was an activity, which I didn't really understand at the time. And my Zeta says, he used to say, he says, do you like the fish? He says, yes, Zeta, we like the fish. You know what the fish say? I said, no, Zeta, what does the fish say? They say, if you like me, leave me alone. Will you kill us? Will you slaughter? Love the taste of the fish. Right. Now, you're really very good. What you mean is, I love me. I love how fish make me feel. I love what the fish do do for me. Right. But if you love Hakadosh Baruch Hu, what does that imply? What is that requiring of us? Says Rashi, Do his commandments, his words from love. Ainod dome osem Le'osem miyir'ah. 
You cannot compare one who follows or one who acts from fear to one who acts out of love. Right? If you if you go to work because you have to because you need you need the work and you need the job. Okay. As soon as and you hate it. So as soon as you find something better or different or whatever, goodbye. See you later. But if you do it because you love it, right? The, the job itself is a motivation. Like if you love your you know you love your parents. I used you know what I'm saying. Well, let's say for example like. I used to have like a, you know, I used to go home and uh, do the, the, mow the lawn. So for some god awful reason, my mother decided for a period of time she was going to mow the lawn herself. Why? Well, it was just easier than having a service come or I don't know, whatever it was. So whenever I would come home, I would attempt to mow the lawn. Why? I hated mowing the lawn when I was a kid. And who likes mowing the lawn? I learned to love to mow the lawn later. Right, sort of, sort of solitary time. What? But when you're doing it for somebody else, if I'm mowing the lawn so my mother doesn't have to mow the lawn, it's a very different feeling. Right, and then once I came home and mowed the lawn, she's like, "Yeah, the guy came yesterday." Okay, whatever. <laughs> that was very college days. Anyway, so that but there's a, it's a totally different experience. Are you doing it because? Kaddish Baruch wants you to do it. He told you to do it. Well, if Kaddish Baruch wants me to do it, then of course I'm going to do it. I love Hashem. Or you can do it because He says you have to do it. That's Avodah Yira versus Avodah Hava. You know, and just to, to, to freak you all out, okay, as we all know now that Tisha B'Av is over and, 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 you know, that turns you into the Shiva, the Nechemta, before you know it, Rosh Hashanah is around the corner. It really is. We're going to hit Elul before the next time we... That's what you're thinking about? It is a 3 a.m. tip. That's right. That's right. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that part. So focus on that. It's a good opportunity. That's what we come here for, really. That's why you guys have your have your three day active concerns, and they are very legitimate concerns. But you should also have the the spiritual concerns, and this is a very good topic to talk about. Right, the first thing, right? It's interesting. The Torah talks about it, right? We talked about the two parshiot in Shema that we say. The first one is Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shemayim, right? And what's Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shemayim? The yoke, the burden of Ol Malchut Shemayim is Ve'ahavta Shemayakecha. Kadosh Baruch wants you first and foremost. He wants you to keep the mitzvot, but why does he want you to do it? He wants you to do it because he wants you to do it. Now, if you don't want to do it for that reason. He wants you to do it. He wants you to want to because he wants you to. Because he knows what's good for you. Because he loves you. He loves you, you should love him back. Now, if you don't, right, there's always a second question in Shema. You know what I mean, right? If that's not good enough for you, right, don't worry, you know, I'll make sure that you do it anyway. So how come we have to have unconditional love for him but he doesn't have to have unconditional love for us? What do you mean? He has unconditional love for us. He does. He says all the time that I'm going to be mad What do you mean? When you, you punish your children? You tell your child, your child, either you listen to me or I'll punish me. Either you do this or I'll go into your room. Okay, but we always tell them what we love you. 100%. Isn't, this is like a totally different topic, but a critical one. I think sometimes the punishment that we punish our children is the strongest symbol of love. We are afraid to punish our children because we don't want to hurt them or them to be upset at us. Children very often rebel, and sadly so, because their parents don't punish them. Because they don't restrict them in the proper way. Because they don't 
give them the boundaries that say, I care enough about you that I will suffer and make you suffer in the process. Wait, it's fun to punish my child? If I don't let my son play on computer, you know what happens? I've got to deal with it. I've got to deal with this whining. Oh, computer, computer, and I have to fight with him. Isn't it easier just to say, you know what? Play computer all day long. What? It's definitely easier. Sure. That's right. Who, wants, who needs structure? But that structure gives them a sense of love. So it's not, I think that Akadosh Baruch Hu, the second half, is even stronger perspective of love than the first. Than the first. I find it hard to equate like a parent's love with a child with a shame's love. Why? Because the parents always telling the child the business of the business. Hashem, like, let's say you get smacked real hard by Hashem for something, mm-hmm. but you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. A parent would tell a child. Wait, wait. Let's get a little. Let's get a little more sophisticated. Let's get a little more sophisticated. Your your daughter has decided to God only knows what uh, trend home. Okay, which will happen because she lives in a yeshuv and that's what it is. There's nothing you can do, right? Are you going to punish her? You don't want her to do it. You want her to make the right decision. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you tell her that you disapprove? Do you not tell her? As it gets older, I mean, you're thinking about little children. As your children get older, as your children get older, we start to withdraw and to, to give guidance, but not punishment. And the older the children get, the more sophisticated and subtle the guidance becomes. To the point where you want your child to know exactly what you think without ever having to say it. Exactly. Because if you say it, they hate you. I hate you. They're resentful. Chasvashah. Nice. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Meaning you'll have older parents, you know what, they say to the grandparents, the good grandparents say, I don't, I don't say anything to my children about how they parent their children. Because who wants to hear that? <laughs> what? What do you mean? You're just going to tell her what to do with the person until she's like 45? That didn't sound good. Okay, you're going to tell her until she's 45? I hope not. You want her at a certain no, point. Hopefully we have an open and honest relationship that you can say, I think this, X, Y, Z, you're free to do as you please. Yes? Yeah, yes. It's like, I don't have a, I don't have a time that I need to come home, but I know that it isn't good to come home at 1 o'clock in the morning. Really? Yes. You mean if you continue to come home at 1 o'clock in the morning, your mother will say, I really don't think it's no, good. No, it's oh. like my mother doesn't tell me when I go out to play free that I need to your mother has trained you in such a way that you, and I'm very serious, that you don't go beyond the boundaries. Because if you did, because if you did, she would come down on you at some point. And if she didn't, that would be a problem. If you came home at one in the morning, she'd be mad. But no, but I would be bad. What? I would say one o'clock is not the time to come home in the morning. Okay, and what happens when she's 19? Really? At nineteen? <laughs> She's not ready to get to that far. Okay, that's via hafta. Do it from love. It's I'm, I mean, it's, I'm just saying that Kadosh Baruch Hu is limited by the fact that he cannot. He's decided not to force us to keep the Torah. In order to do that, he has to withdraw and keep it, keep the connection subtle, and not give you the exact, explicit. Reason because if he came to you and said, No, and sometimes you want it, sometimes you want to know what is it specifically. Yeah, the, uh, there's as we all know, there was a family here whose whose uh, 
uh, they, candles went up on Friday night, right? And what happened was, you didn't hear this, what happened was there, there, they literally, the wife lit the Shabbos candles, and then there's a tzedakah box that was right next to it. And the tzedakah box went up in, went up in flames, and it was very scary, and then it was blah, blah, blah. So, they're going around saying, what do you think it means? What do you think it means? And so, what? This past Friday night. And so we all, so of course they asked, uh, they asked both of us separately, and both of us came to the exact same conclusion. We said, why do you ask me also? It's came to the conclusion. Don't keep plastic Right, don't keep plastic near your fire. That's the conclusion we had. Except, they said that that afternoon they were talking about whether they give too much zakar. So I freaked out a little bit. So what's the message? I don't know, who knows? Like, you're right, what's the message? The message is you're supposed to find. That's part of the. That's part of the punishment. Part of the tafuka. It's part of the end of the sefer. It's my rim. I know if you're stares there per night, that I'm gonna hide my face from you, and that's part of the difficulty and the challenge. But that's, that's our punishment is that we don't have that close relationship. So Hashem doesn't tell us exactly what we're being punished. Okay, let's look at some. It's not the ideal. But then you're saying it's not the ideal. The ideal. You want Hashem to tell you every single thing? No, but He did. And then look in the midbar. Okay, and right that's not the ideal the life. That's exactly the point. It's not the ideal life. So, uh, so Hester Panim, you're saying is ideal? Hashkadosh Baruch Hu wants us to live where there's Yeshua Hakodesh and we live with Hakadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. But He has to give us bechira. He has to give us the ability to decide. We're not robots. And if every time, okay, but you the amount of distance that we have from Him Correct. is more than Correct. The ideal. Distance. Correct. Correct. Okay. Look at your sheet. Gemara Yoma. Amar Abaye. Look at Gemara Yoma 86a. Amar Abaye Amar. We learned. What does it mean that you should love Hashem your God? It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, piece of Gemara. That the name of God, the name of heaven, should be become beloved through you. The person should read and uh, study. And he should serve his Tamidei Chachamim. Right? His dealings with people should be pleasurable. And what do people say about you? Wow, fortunate are his parents, her parents, who taught her Torah. Fortunate are those teachers who taught that person Torah. Right? Shlomo, Shulamit, who learned Torah, look how pleasurable, how wonderful they are. How appropriate, how beautiful are their behaviors. About that person, the Torah says, And they said, You are my servant, Israel. Through you, I will be glorified. What does it mean to You want to love God? Behave in such a way that a person looks at you and says, that's a firm person. That's a Torah Jew. That's a strong, strong obligation. And that's something that we do all the time. We go out to Rami Levi, right? Everyone knows that we are Dati. And we wear, we wear it on our sleeves. We wear it, we wear it on our heads. It's all of us. Literally. It's a known, obvious, obvious thing. Right? So you keep the Torah. Oh yeah? Did you button line? I mean, I guess in this country you kind of have to. But I mean, you know? But how do you do it? How do you do it? Right? It's also, right, it's not, I mean, you do have to, but you stand for you like, is it appropriate? Are you, you know what I'm saying? Now, it's hard. 
And he goes on the other way. He says, Aval, If you study Torah, but then you do not, Masao Matan is business. If you do not deal honest in business. And you don't speak pleasantly with people. What do they say about you? That's what Torah is. That's what they learn in those yeshivas. That's what Orthodox people do. Okay. See, you know what? It's really unfair. Because, yes, you're always, in any population, you're going to have X number of people who behave inappropriately. But you don't hear about the, you know, so and so honestly did such and such and such a thing. This and this person returned the money. This and this person dealt with me appropriately. This and this person was a pleasure to deal with. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You, you see a Haredi population and then you look at them and you think, oh, they're so hot in the summer and how would they dress like that? But then if you go up more internally, you see how much tzedakah they do, how much Torah they do. But the Chosvaris isn't going to go internally. They're just going to see the Well, I don't see it in Israel also. I would argue more, the question is a question of does this person deal with you appropriately? Are they a good person? On their, on their, you know what I'm saying? And in, in the media culture in which we live, it's too easy to highlight the negative. Right, so yes, it's splashing on the headlines when such and such a religious person, you know, embezzled money or stole or cheated or, or whatever, what have you. That's not fair. They take upon themselves. They take upon themselves, that's true. It's, it's, but it's not fair. Because the vast, vast, vast majority of people do deal appropriately. And they, they have ethics guided by... And maybe we need to do, like, you know, like we need a PR campaign, like the Aguda and the OU and all the... And I need to get together and start doing PR campaigns about, yes, he's a religious Jew and Torah guides his business too. You know what I'm saying? And yes, we need to talk about it, but I think we sometimes short shrift ourselves. Think about how many people we know in this yeshuv who are just wonderful, upstanding people in business and in dealing with people because of the Torah that guides their lives. You know, and, it, and, and we don't highlight that enough. We don't give ourselves enough credit for it. And it's, it's an, uh, an awesome responsibility. Okay? Uh, and it says, and then it says, Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, if as a nation we act that way, then we get kicked out of our land. That's one perspective. What does it mean to be a hafta? And do you cause the name of Hashem, Shem Shemaim, to be beloved because of you? Do you behave in a way that brings about Kiddush Hashem? Now, what does that mean? It's a drash. It's, it's, we, I'm just thinking in terms of, of uh, language. We usually refer to such actions as a Kiddush Hashem. Not as what do you mean? You know that pep talk you always got before right. you, <laughs> you, know you represent you Camp Achva. Right. Great long skirt. People know who you are. Make sure. And, and you know what it was true. But you know what? Ashley just read something on someone sent me that like that, like, that, like, um, that there was a tremendous collision going on in the States in, in a great adventure that all these people come during Benazmanim and they're jumping lines and, and, they're, and they're not listening and like the 
that this person was writing. I was there and I was embarrassed to, wear, to be wearing a kippah when I saw what, how all these other people were acting. This was back then. This is not now anymore, right? Just, just like last week, someone wrote. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I mean, this may be hard to imagine. Yes. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it's um, whatever, really. Like, this is what it sounds like. This, this is what this sounds like. This is like the pep talk we got every time from wearing You know what's funny? We all got that pep talk, and it stays with you in a way <laughs> because it, there's a the truth to it. Some people, at least, you know, not the people who were jumping know, lines and whatever. Right. Right. I mean, they never got the pep talk. They didn't get the pep talk. So yeah. Teachers didn't tell them to stop talking during the Right, I don't know. Okay, so that's one perspective. Just understand that this, is that the Pashup Shad and the Pasuk of Yahavta? No, it's just it's a secondary understanding. But how do I do it? If I really want to love Hashem, how do I come to love Hashem? How am I supposed to love God? Look at uh, the Chinuch. Mitzvah Avar Hashem. This is a mitzvah. Even if living in Eretz Israel might not be a mitzvah, this is a mitzvah. It's a commandment to love God. How do you do that? It says the Chinuch. We are commanded to love Hashem. Shneemar, as it says, Ve'ahavta et Hashem ha-mitzvah. What am I supposed to do? So the Chinuch tells you. By the way, it's really worth it to learn Chinuch. We should think and nitbonen. Comprehend. Nitbonen. Litbonen. To comprehend, but it's more like to ponder. God's actions. Until we comprehend Him to the best of our ability. And in that comprehension, we have great pleasure. Ponder God. Focus on God, on His greatness, on His amazingness. And that brings pleasure. This is the special love. Ulashon Sifrei says the Midrash. The Fishinemar Veahavta. If it says Veahavta, any Odeak, it's Elohim Adam and Tamakom. How am I supposed to do that? How do I come to love God? Talmud Lomar. So I'll tell you. Vahayu Hadwarim Haela Asher Nochim Etzavcha Hayom Alevavecha. How do you do it? How do I do Veahavta Hashem Lokecha? Look at the next pasuk. These words that I tell you, put them in your heart. Through fulfilling these words, through these, putting these words in your heart, you recognize He who created the world. With understanding and pondering the Torah, you want to love God? You want to know God? Study His words. Study his manual. The more you study his manual, the more you love God. The more you study the words of the Torah, the more you appreciate the depths of God, the more you appreciate the wondrous nature of that which God has given us, the more you'll come to love it. Oh, like, you know, if you really, a beautiful idea, I talked to this beautiful idea, you know, and, and that a Kaddish Baruch who loves us and the love of God, and they went to wonderful Shia, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel powerful. It makes you feel passionate in a sense right sometimes you come out of a great shear and you have this excitement you have this ve- this, this verb this passion for life that after that's why I love coming here there you go okay you don't do anything when it's lost by the evening what? but it's lost by the evening 
but you don't do anything to actualize it, then many times it's lost by the evening. I don't know if you're being fair. You know, it's not reasonable to expect, uh, but that's not okay. That's okay. That's why you come to the shir to recharge. You know what I'm saying? It's it, it that you can't have spirit. I'm sorry. Like how reasonable it is it when you're chasing after your you know, one and a half year old and doing the laundry and whatever? These are not spiritual experiences. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying if you don't do anything to actualize the inspiration, then it's lost. I think coming here, the chinuch is saying to you, this is actualizing inspiration. You don't have, it's not reasonable to say to yourself, but I don't feel spiritual when I'm doing the laundry. Sorry, I don't either. So what do you do on Yom Kippur when you come with your kids all day? What? What do you do on Yom Kippur when you come with your kids all day? Ooh, fuck me at Yom Kippur. It's a challenge. It's very it's much challenge. Either that, or you can send your husband to Hashkama, send your husband to Vatikim, and you have time for spirituality too. We're living in touch of time. Are women required to feel any spirituality? Or is their focus only taking care of their children? They're definitely required to do tshuva, especially Yom Kippurim. I don't know why those are not things that you would say they should do on Yom Kippur. So then a woman is required on. on to say Vidoy? Sure. To say Vidoy? To make herself more spiritual doing her regular home duties. She doesn't have to be spiritual. She doesn't I don't know if I agree with that. To make time on Yom Kippur for spirituality? You're looking at me funny. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, not, I am totally not. I am totally not. Because it's a value of the Torah on that day that women are chayab on. They're obligated to do. Wait a minute. I'm not, they're not obligated to do vidui and to do tshuva? Tshuva is a... According to the Rambam, it's a mitzvah to say vidui. At least once. Please find the time. It's according to the Rambam. It's a mitzvah to be right? According to the Rambam, it's a mitzvah to be Fine. That's spirituality. But do it what? Well. There's no difference than any other day. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. I so the, you understand what I'm yeah. saying? Meaning, like it's like remember, like when you went to a seminary, there's like well, how you went to seminary, and you're like, oh, this spiritual high, and it's amazing, and then you go back to. Oh, yeah. Then you go back to America. He is unbelievable. You go back to America. You think that he'd stop. You think that he'd get it. You know what I'm saying? Then you go back to you go back to America, and it's like, oh, yes, it is not realistic. But that's okay because it's not real life. And our job is to you have this. Your job is to bring reality into your everyday. Correct. That's the goal, not to. That's why you go to the shear. That's why you go to the shear. Correct. I mean, but you can't, it's not reasonable to now you're going to go home and, or you're home. So you're going to like, you know, do whatever it is you have to do and say, oh, I love God in the, whatever. In the dishes. In the dishes that I'm washing. Unless you're me and you're doing it for your wife. So yeah, but like, let's say last week you said, if you go home from this year and you say the one pasuk of Shema with Kavanah, then... It would have all been worth it. It would have all been worth it. You accomplish something other than saying during the shir. Oh, the shir is very beautiful. No, but that, but the chinuch is saying that the way to come to love of Hashem is by coming to the shir. The very it's a different perspective. No, right, right, he's enjoying it. Do you understand? In this perspective, the chinuch, the way you come to avat Hashem, is the shir. It's not. There's another way you can say I love Hashem and that. Children, and when you're in time, it's like you're going to like have like time with Tibor and like go meditate every day and right. 
That's unbelievable. So why isn't every moment an option? An option, right? Why isn't every moment that that's an opportunity for spirituality? Oh, I'm just I agree with you. Fine. All I'm saying is though, in the, first of all, in the Chinnah's perspective, he says Avad Hashem comes from studying the Torah. So if you want that, then if you want that spirituality of studying the Torah, then you have to study the Torah. That's all you can do. You know what I'm saying? Come to the Shira on Wednesday morning. I don't understand. What, what do you mean, what do the women do? You know, do? Like you teach Torah every minute when your kids are to eat. They're not... Children, we make a breast Right? What food, what food is this? We're going to make a breast Right. So that is... I don't understand. What are you doing right now? Right this second. What do, you, what do the women do? I, but I don't have an obligation. No, you're not obligated. Correct. But that's but amazing. You're just taking away the... the Derek oh, Did I say you can't? I don't understand. I said you're not, it's not a mitzvah, one second, it's not a mitzvah chiyuvi. You don't have to do it all the time. You don't have the burden. I'm not giving you the burden and pressure of the constant no, pressure of Avad Hashem. She's saying, we are commanded to have to enter the According to the Chinuch just now, the way to accomplish that is to learn Torah. But we're not commanded to spend every waking moment pursuing the love of God through the study of Torah. Excuse but it's really a mitzvah for you. Excuse me, one minute. I, I think that you're reading this. I think you can read it a little bit differently. I've got, wait, I've got to get this. Yes. One minute. One minute. Yeah, you say you should not show up in front of these people who have to pull You know, God's God's actions are, are evidence everywhere. Yeah, we'll get to that. One way of doing it is through learning Torah. The Chinuch clearly says, the Chinuch clearly says, he says it clearly. Right. He says, but he says, how do you do it? That's exactly what he says. How do you do it? No. Talmud Lomar, Bahayu Advar Meir. We'll get with them. Wait. The man is Okay. One more perspective. One more perspective. Take it with the Rambam. You don't have this on your sheets. Sorry. According to the Rambam, how do you get to Avat Hashem? Last one. Okay. Says the Rambam. This amazing God. Mitzvah is a mitzvah to, to love him. I'm reading, you don't have this. You don't have this. Oh. Sorry. I, I, I should have put it on the sheets. I don't know why I didn't. It says, It says, love Hashem your God. It also says, Et Hashem How am I supposed to do this? Now, almost the same language, but a little different. When a person will ponder God's actions and His wondrous and amazing creations. And he sees the incredible wisdom, the depth of the, and the endless wisdom of God in creating this world. The wisdom language, he loves and praises and glorifies. And he has his burning desire. To know this great name. So Ramam says, if you, well, you can read on, okay? And he says, when you know this, you're like, you're like humbled and shudder. You have great fear. You know you're this like nothing. You're this speck. Rabbi says, so passive, fascinating. He says, you want to know God? You want to love God? Study? Nature. 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 Nature.
Right? But it's exactly okay. I've watched it to the exact country. It's exactly okay. I've watched it. Yeah, he's walking through a forest and stops to say, "Wow, look at the beautiful tree." It's losing moments. Yeah. Who's that? Rambam didn't say it's a lower level. Right. That, that people struggle with that mission. I don't want to go into the mission. Very interesting mission. Very good. Because the whole story that the guy was walking in and yeah. he stopped to look at the tree. So he's coming. Yeah, how beautiful it is. So, no, but such an interesting perspective. It doesn't work for natural. Anybody who's ever delved, anybody who's ever delved into science, medicine, you know, any of the any of these sciences, there, there is no end to it. And somebody made it all. Somebody created it. And you can come to God through these sciences. You know, religious scientists will say exactly that. What do you mean? Who says that? What? That's the first. Who says that? Rambam didn't say that. Rambam said. Who said that? Why are they mutually exclusive? These are two different perspectives. The Chinuch says you should study Torah. The Rambam says you want to come to love God, study God's creation, study nature. Those are not mutually exclusive. The Rambam studies nature. They also study Torah. Why can you do both? But with the perspective of I'm using them to come to a love of Hashem. That's a very powerful idea. Because normally, and I think that the Rambam is very empowering, because normally we think, if you want to love God, the only thing you can do is study Torah. Like, that's what we're taught. Like, that's sort of what Yaz gives it. Okay. The only thing you can do is study Torah. Rambam says, absolutely not. Right? We should look at the world and see the beauty of God. We should study other things and see the beauty of God. And those are not exclusive. They're not anti-religious to study those things. Right? They could be the most religious studies you could possibly do. Because it comes to bring you to the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's not just ponder nature. Don't go out nature and like, you know, uh, I love God. No, study it. Rambam wasn't into that stuff as much, I don't think. He was into, you know, how is it that this cup is separate from this table? And how does it function? Like, and if you think about it, the depth of just that question, right? The depth of our ability to see and perceive and just anything in this world. And the way that these, the, the way the, the, what we know and how much we don't know about how these things function is so beyond our, our ability to grasp. When you think about it, the Rambam says, if you really ponder it, it could bring you to the love of Hashem. And that's very different than learning Torah, which the Rambam was also quite in favor of. Right? Am I modern Orthodox now? Is that modern Orthodox? What is it? in favor of this. Of this shiur? Yeah. Of course he was. Uh, it was in the home. It was okay. Okay, yeah. Why don't pick it? You know, go ahead. Is there, anyone, is there anyone that says that you should love, you get to love Hashem by appreciating what He gives you? By appreciating what he, he gives you. He says here on the bottom that that you should always realize that everything that you have is nothing compared to your Ahabat Hashem. Um, did anybody see it that way? I don't, I've never seen it in the term of the Ahabat Hashem Alakecha, but I think that sounds legitimate to me. You know what I'm saying? Not to me. No? It would, it would to appreciate what Hashem gives you? It's very nice for the person who has a lot, but for the person who has none, what's he supposed to say? Oh, I don't really have to love God. What does that mean, none? What do you mean? He has life, he has... Right. What does he mean, none? Very easy to say. Subjective. Very easy to say the poorest person should appreciate what he has when you're not poor. But when you're poor, it's a very hard struggle to be the person to say, oh, I have much. And then the famous story about Razusha is a famous story because he was the exception to the claw and not right. the Right, right. But, but it's very easy for us to say, oh, well, everybody has the ability to breathe, so they should thank God. But we have food on our table, and we have clothing for our children, and we have a house over our heads. So we have spouses and children. Also, so we're like 
comparatively in the realm. But you don't think it's a value to that every person in every in whatever situation, however difficult they have to find. Tremendous value, but I think it's not reasonable. Really? I don't know if I agree with that. I'm only saying it's an attitude. We're saying it's an attitude because we're the ones that are. No, but then you're saying that it's it 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 isn't a direct Um, I think it's interesting. I would say probably not. Why? Because if you love God because of what He gives you, you should definitely appreciate what you have. But when you don't have it, it's contention. It's like with your right parents and children. Right. Correct. Exactly right. Has, should have done. Should appreciate. Of her told you, mm-hmm. focusing on what you have, and not what you, not what you don't have. Correct. So you should definitely have a character so told. It, it engenders. It, it engenders a habit because. It trains your mind to all the time be thinking correctly for what you have. I'm not going to argue. I mean, you're saying all the correct things. <laughs> argue that, of course. When I was single, yeah. we were, like many, many of us were looking for spouses for many, many, many years. Mm. There were many of us who were advancing our lives and very happy and going to Shira and working hard and yeah. very fulfilled. And many people who were very focused only on what was absent of their lives, right. meaning that they didn't have Everybody else is married. Everybody else has kids. Everyone's dating these complete jerks that there's no chance in the world they'll ever find anybody. Right. And I saw that it was like a, a completely, like you said, completely attitude. Whoever was like very involved with their lives and very happy and moving forward and, and uh, satisfied had very happy, fulfilling lives. And the other people were wallowing in self-pity and very absent in their lives, even if they had careers and Torah learning and everything. Um, But I couldn't fault the people who were basically depressed and and wallowing because to them that was the most absent thing in their life. If you feel that your entire life is based on, especially if you're brought up that way, then, then... it's like a very difficult position to be in. And if your love for God is going to be contingent on receiving and you don't receive, okay. then it's yeah, going yeah. to be a very... It's a problem. It's a challenge. Very empty relationship. So, mm-hmm. so, that, so just to wrap up, we don't focus enough. I, I, think, I think I said it last week. We don't focus enough on this idea of Ahava, of love, right? And we, we say it before the Kriyat Shema, before we read back that Hashem Elokecha, what do we say? Ahava Rabba Ahavtanu Hashem Elokein. Hashem loves us. Then Hashem really does love us. And by the way, and how did it manifest itself, that love, in Abba Rabbah? Anybody know what we say? Right, Hashem gave us a Torah. Right, Bavur, so you gave us this Torah because you loved us so much. He gave us His most treasured thing. And He actually not only gave it to us, He gave it to us. He told us to go run with it. Do with it what you will. Which is unbelievable. Right? So that's great love. And so therefore, our love in, we should have a love in return, which is sort of what the Chinuch says, the love in return is appreciating the gifts that are the gift of the Torah that Hashem gave us, and according to the Rambam, the gift of nature and the gift of the world that Hashem gave us, and uh, just this idea of focusing on this love and the positiveness and uh, and the uh, bond between Rebbeinu Shalolam and the people in the world and humanity, I think is a critical thing that we don't spend enough time to focus on. And Hashem really wanted us to. How do I know? Because He wanted us to say these words morning and night every day. Focus on the love. Focus on the positive. If we do that, it can make us all happier people. All right, stop here.